You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. I forgot to hit record on right? Oh my gosh, yeah. We would have hurt you. <laughs> Classic. I don't even know. Did you smoke? I don't I know. I smoked. I don't know if you did. You need to smoke? You might, might be an edible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Greetings, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the first Cure to Consumption radio show. Coming to you via live or podcast or live, 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 every way it can come. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew is the man on the slides over there. You guys, you know, you're familiar with me. Um, Andrew's allowed me to come into the studio a few times and, and get caught up between trade shows over the years and uh, definitely have always caught up and, and had good times. Then he offered me my own show and I could not resist. It got me extremely excited, especially now that I'm not traveling so much with COVID. And I didn't want to do it alone. You know, I, I knew I wanted to have guests. I think that's a great format. I love what you know, Joe Rogan and some of the other podcasters do. Um, but I wanted more than that. I wanted a co-host. And um, so I hit up a, a local young lady who is uh, an influencer, a brand ambassador, definitely a connoisseur like myself. And, uh, and this young lady, I definitely, I, I follow her. I follow very few in the space, but I follow her because she's not SoCal vibes. She's based out of Southern California like I am, but she does not have that kind of pretentious Kardashians Hills kind of, you all know what I'm talking about. Um, but she's more like the young ladies I grew up with in, in the Bay Area, more than the laid back, easy going and all about the bigger picture and good vibes. So with that, I would like to introduce Mia Jane. Thank you so much, Lance. That was quite an intro. And uh, I really appreciate the kind words. Those mean a lot coming from you. And um, yeah, I am really excited to be here today. It's been a, a lot of fun um, getting to uh, grow in the cannabis industry. And um, I'm really excited to co-host this podcast with you. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I thought we'd do something uh, probably a a little different on this first show and kind of start with our backgrounds because, you know, of course, in the future, we'll be jumping right into hot topics and guests and such. But I figured maybe giving a little background on uh, each of us as far as where we're coming from, you know, personally, professionally, and uh, really, you know, what the plant and the industry means to us. So, of course, ladies first, I'll let you. All right. Out. Happy to jump right in there. <laughs> so um, I originally um, started using cannabis um, for some GI issues that I had developed in my late teens and early 20s. And um, I had tried a whole bunch of prescriptions that weren't working, uh, doctor's visits, surgeries, all sorts of stuff. Um, and right around the time I was 22, um, I was living in Florida, back with my parents, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, someone suggested that I try cannabis. Um, I had tried everything else under the sun, so I figured, why not? And I got yeah. me some Florida swag and, you know, <laughs> gave it a few puffs. I wasn't really a big uh, pot user when I was growing up, but, yeah. you know, I figured I'd try it and it actually gave me some relief. So I did everything I could to put plans in the works to move to Denver. And six weeks later, I was there. Um, I got my medical card and started um, on my way to wellness with plant medicine, actually. So nice. uh, cannabis was a real game changer. I was able to get off all of my prescriptions um, in about a year or so, and then really Ooh. was inspired to get into the industry and started bud tending so I could grow my knowledge and share my experience with other people and hopefully yeah. help others find a, a path to wellness as well. So um, after that, you know, I bud tended for several years and then got into more of the branding and marketing sides of things. Um, I've written for a few magazines. Um, and most recently, I've been doing cannabis tour guiding, which is a great yeah. way to help educate people about responsible cannabis consumption and just kind of like a hands-on way to um, show people all sorts of ways to enjoy enjoy cannabis. Yeah, so. and that's that's the one thing that I thought was kind of a common ground for both of us, you know, is leading with education. It, it seems like that's definitely your conversation leads with education. And uh, so a lot of similarities in that regard. And, yeah. and for myself, you know, growing up in, again, in the Bay Area, Marin County, or the gateway to the, the triangle, you know, I was always around it. it. It wasn't so much taboo or stigma, you know, as much as it was a, a way of life where I grew up. Um, but it was interesting because I was a consumer in my teens. 
Um, actually, truth be told, uh, cannabis helped me to be able to afford to go to college. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I just came out of the green closet about because uh, the statutes of limitations are way up. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, that was you know similar to you. Um, fast forward several years, in in same, you know, at a, a calling uh, from an old VP who had just come on with DFM out in Denver and they're getting ready to kick off the cannabis and they invited me out. And of course, all my friends on social media back in the Bay Area were like, oh, we know why you're moving to Colorado. But it really wasn't so much a part of my life at that point. Um, but again, like you, uh, I started learning about the medicinal aspects of it because I always knew it from a, you know, a lot of people call it recreation or just general adult use. And um, I, I was totally amazed. And similar, uh, had diverticulitis, which I didn't even think I was old enough for. I thought old people got that. But, uh, you know, had this issue with my GI tract. And, uh, you know, similar, they put me on actually two different types of antibiotics. And I go, oh, by the way, you, you can't eat for the next 24 hours. And then you're on this baby food diet for the next 48 after that. And again, you know, anyone who's had GI issues, you know, rather be, you, you know, Crohn's or, or again, diverticulitis or something short-term, long-term, you all can relate. It's just, it's a frustration. And um, anyway, so I was nauseous. I mean, I was in pain from where the diverticulitis was. I was in pain from not eating. And then um, I was nauseous from the from the, the medication. And I had a CBD, a transdermal patch actually from Pure Ratio from Billy down in uh, San Diego. It's 18 to one. And I'm like, oh, what do I have to lose? And put it on there. And all of a sudden the, the nausea was gone. The hunger pains were gone. I was like, okay, this really does work. And that, although I had been consuming, a, you know, before that, that's what was the aha moment where I'm like, wow, there really is medical attributes. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. And that's, so that was me at the cannabis. And then Weed Map swooped me up to head up uh, their media for a few years uh, before Bovda swooped me up to, to head up their herbal division for about three years. Love that. Cause that's, again, goes back to the medicinal aspect, right? For those that that don't blaze an ounce a day, you know, you need to store this and keep it fresh and, and, you know, keep the right relative humidity. So the medicine is, is as strong and as potent as it can be. So loved working for that company. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point as well, it's always been a focus more so kind of marketing, marketing media and education for me in the space. So nice. Cool and Bovida, I will say, uh, I used, uh, religiously through my years in living in Denver where uh -huh. Being at altitude, your weed dries out very quickly. Oh so my gosh. very grateful for that brand and that company. So you and, you and your weed, right? That's why I never, I tell people <laughs> I never finished uh, chapstick until I lived in Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> I would always lose them before I, I finished using them. <laughs> and that was the one place you guys, you, you, if I had someone tell me, if you don't go to the bathroom once an hour, you aren't drinking enough water. I mean, there's just little nuances, but to your point, a lot, a lot of dry weed in Colorado <laughs> and a lot of popcorn too. I don't know what it was with these little nugs I get. Most are doing indoor grows, but mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Jungle Boys and some of the genetics in SoCal, we know they can do better. Uh, but Colorado yeah, is yeah. stepping up their game, you know. They they're, are. They're, they've got great hash, but, you know, yeah, the flower. that's true. I leave that to California. Yeah, so. <laughs> I do too. I, I definitely do. I'm I'm 100% biased to, uh, to the triangle, so very cool. Well, yeah, I think great backgrounds. And this is something, again, that we want you all as viewers to get to know that um, it's not just about coming in and blazing, uh, you know, a lot of the stereotypes, rather it be Cheech and Chong or, or whatever else Hollywood has produced for you over the years, as far as those stigmas and, and taboos that they tie into. But that's not us. I mean, both of us, very functional and successful individuals uh, living here in, in beautiful Southern California and uh, very much uh, cannabis advocates, which I think is, uh, or I call myself, I don't think I'm an activist, but I, I do feel I'm a strong advocate. Uh, so that's what we want to bring to the show is really just talking about the industry, you know, where it's at today. Um, and that spans across the board. So I don't think that this is heavily focused on, on the B2B aspect. It's very much the consumer and the end user as well, uh, because discovering things like Bovida or discovering things like, you know, the latest G pen or the, the, the tech side of it, um, all those are beneficial to everyone that, that's obviously uh, engaged with the plant. So with that, I thought we'd kind of start off with uh, some latest news. You know, we're around the beginning of the year here and uh, it was interesting last year, right? Very. <laughs> I Very. mean, <laughs> we were, gosh, going back now, you know, the vape gate was well over a year and a half ago. I know. I know. And a lot of people backed out of oil, but 
um, you know, I just hear more and more people that are like myself turning to edibles or transdermals or um, elixirs. Have you seen that? Because you're out on the street more than honestly than I. I mean, I travel, but I'm not traveling on the daily. Um, so I know you have your feet to the, uh, you know, to the tracks a little bit more. So yeah, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people using vapes um, even more consistently this year. I know last year they were put off a little bit, but um, I think people are becoming more comfortable with edibles as well now that they have some. They're exploring microdosing a little more because yeah. I know so many people have had bad experiences where they had a 10 milligram edible and then. They didn't feel anything, so they had another 10 milligrams, and that's yeah. too much for a lot of people, unfortunately. So, you know, the microdosing has been a great trend for helping people become more comfortable. Um, and honestly, I find that, you know, people that live here in California don't use vapes as much, but maybe the people visiting that want to have something a little more discreet, um, yeah. they're they're vapors for sure. And that's you that's the key word. I think you're spot on. It's it's the discreetness. And I know I have to admit again when I when I traveled, it was so nice cuz I could just have it, you know, even if I was say going into a club, I could, you know, keep it in my belt line, you know, keep it under my belt, keep it safe, but I could literally just hit the vape once and be good, especially if doing the crossfade, not that I don't drink anymore, but years ago, you know, when I did, it was like, you know, uh, vodka and soda and a couple of rips from the vape pen. And I was just balanced for three hours from, from more of a recreational standpoint. And uh, I agree. I think a lot of people, it's just convenient, you know, it's not invasive. So, um, I agree. I, I feel like it's coming back and maybe a little less. So, uh, to your point in California, maybe cause we all think we're, you know, so healthy. Of course, Colorado, you remember the same way. It's healthiest city in the country. That may be where I got my hippie vibes from. So <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, right. Yep. So, but, but I, I see the same thing. And the one thing though, again, I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners are consumers. Uh, but if you haven't dabbled in edibles, it's something that, uh, you know, Colorado going back to, you probably remember this. It was, you know, start low, go slow. That was a campaign. And actually when I was at the canvas, I helped promote that for the, uh, the state of Colorado. Great team to work I with. I still in. tell Good people agency. that. So. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes sense. Right. Yeah. And Canada adopted it to the, the first, first world country, really. I mean, nothing against Paraguay, but the first, first world, first world country to legalize adult use. Um, they went by that mantra as well. Um, and so you all know, I mean, for those that, that don't travel much out of your home state, uh, most markets, 10 milligram is the standard dosage for edibles. Um, Oregon's 15 milligrams, no surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just an extension of the triangle. But um, I agree with you, Mia. It's, uh, my gosh, 10 milligrams, cut it in half, cut it in quarters. If it's your first time, especially, because a lot of people don't realize uh, it's, it's not like other ways you consume. It's not uh, so much, obviously, uh, like the conventional or traditional way of smoking, where it's very climatic versus, you know, edibles are almost anticlimactic. You know, they kind of start out in this lull. And for some people, the onset, I know it's a played out word, nanotechnology, but I know, I know with the, the, on, the nanotech, the onset has gotten close to like 15 to 20 minutes, like Wanna Brands, just really something like that. But most are 45 minutes to an hour. And there's a lot of variables, right? You know, your metabolism, your weight, how much you consume if you've ever consumed. Yeah. A lot and, of people can't even feel edibles. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a really wide, wide range out there of um, what dose is right for people. So I always tell them to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Um, and drinks and tinctures, I think, are a great way to go because they hit you a little bit quicker sometimes. Yep. So. Yep. I agree 100%. I, I definitely, there's a few that uh, I'm a huge fan of. And that's what I like about the, the tinctures, especially to your point, you know, just a few drops under the tongue and it's more like a 20, 20, 30 tops kind of onset, which is great. Yeah. Which is great. A little so. less waiting so you don't overdo it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it doesn't kick in too late. That's one thing I, you, I'd always hate in the old school days with taking an edible and then you go to bed and you do wake up with a bit of a hangover because your body's trying to process this when it's also trying to, you know, have its downtime and be dormant. So um, do be very cognizant of when you do and I agree with me. Yeah, definitely, you know, cut it in half or cut it in quarters. Um, it's always easier to add than it is to take away. That statement couldn't be more applicable in this environment. So um, a lot of, lot of things out there that you can try kind of segue now onto, um, where we're at as far as legalization, you know, thought I'd talk about that as well. So, so much going on there. <laughs> I know, right. That's, that's why I want to talk. I mean, I, I literally, I just read, so it's funny, you know, I'm getting all these, having been in the media side for so long, getting all these different, you know, newsletters and, and such every morning in my inbox. And, uh, you know, I think it was Grizzle that was just, uh, sharing this morning 
about how New Jersey all of a sudden is like a 180. Like they're on track for legalization. And then there's just little nuances. And believe it or not, guys, it was stipulations around um, how they handled underage consumption. So believe it or not, they weren't hung up on, um, you know, what has to do with those that can consume or 21 and over, which is every market in the U.S. uh, that is legal. It wasn't so much that. It was what were the penalties for those that were under age 21. And kind of crazy, right? I mean, I I thought New Jersey is a done deal. I mean, nothing in cannabis is a done deal until you see it on the shelf, in my opinion. That's true. Um, But I think I read that it had something to do with um, the senator that was behind the the bill, he did a 180 because he kind of realized that the stipulations in it were going to cause more harm to um, communities of color. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they definitely don't need any more issues, especially around cannabis, because, you know, it's already very, very unfair playing field right now. So yeah. I think that it's, you know, New Jersey will get there. New York will get there. All these places are getting there, but it's it's not as easy as just, you know, passing some legislation. And then it just magically happens. Unfortunately, a lot of these states get caught in some type of weird um, legal limbo um, with around cannabis because they don't put any type of committee or um, person in charge of actually putting a marketplace into place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even the ones that have passed, I remember uh, there's a, a few guys that had come up to me this years back at uh, NCIA and they were representing a Utah can and invited me out to speak and everything. And I was like, oh my God, of course. I mean, it's Utah. It's one of the last, <clears throat> excuse me, that I thought would uh, would legalize, and so I couldn't pass it up. And to your point, you know, it was the whole uh, yes on two was a campaign, and um, they were really fighting an uphill battle. And it was until the church, until LDS actually came around, which is a whole other. There's a hero out of that story, but but they definitely came around. And same thing, they did a 180 in the right direction uh, for legalization. Utah passed, but exactly to your point, the the framework that comes, the hard work that comes out. Everyone thinks the hard work is getting that that legal status, but to your point, that doesn't mean it, it's going to be on the shelf tomorrow. You know, first off, they vote in November, and then they've got over a year. They've got the, the January of the full, complete following year uh, before they enact it. But even they were having some struggles, right? Because they were trying to do where it was going to be um, what almost like alcohol in Washington State, where it was going to be managed by the government. And then the government's like, oh, wait. Well, I guess actually their legal team was like, wait, you know, this is not federally legal. We can't be the ones. So we have to have this privatized. Uh, so you're right. There's always these challenges and, uh, you know, these ups and downs and battles along the way, all the way up until it is actually available and, and out for purchase. So uh, crazy stuff, right? I mean, good luck, New Jersey. I really hope that uh, <laughs> the governor doesn't try to, you know, slip in any more weird uh, bills on you guys and you can just uh, figure out a way to get weed to the people like yeah. they want. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh, they do want it. Well, that's the thing, too, and I, I thought it was quite interesting, and we, we won't get too buried in the politics, but, you know, is actually a rep out of Kentucky that was making an observation or statement, I believe, is to uh, the senator in New Jersey about, you know, if you're only thinking about this from a monetary gain standpoint, point, you're looking at it the wrong way. You need to look at it from this is a medical solution and a need for individuals. So this is something that is bettering <clears throat> the community and giving healthier options to Western medicine. And I was like, wow, how cool is that? Again, go against the stereotypes for representation out of Kentucky, which is, it's a Southern state. I mean, it is. I lived in Tennessee for four years and I never understood when people said Kentucky's more Southern than Tennessee. I thought they just didn't know geography. And then I understood <laughs> they were talking about how mm-hmm. Kentucky is very deep South mentality. So I thought it was quite cool that uh, someone from from that position in politics and from that geographical location would be like, hey, East Coast, you know, don't just do it to make up the money from COVID or from other shortcomings in your books. You know, do it for the right reasons and do it to your point for, for social equity and equality and also, you know, for making sure that all the T's and I's for what's legal, what's not. How do you advertise? How do you not? What do you, you know, all the rest of it, limitations, everything. So, but on to the bigger picture. So an, another thing that, you know, it's it's been a crazy uh, past week, I'd say, in general in this country, but also in politics. But just generally speaking... Uh, you know, by the time everyone's listening to this, it's it's definitely official that the trifecta has occurred as far as Democrats in, in office and Senate and House and, and obviously in the White House. So amazing. isn't that crazy? Yeah. I, it's been years. It's, it's, you know? it's wild. And, uh, you know, I'm a little still in disbelief, just kind yeah. of a little in, sh- in shock. But, you know, I think that's just um, 
we'll see what happens. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for uh, the possibilities and I hope that, um, you know, we can make some good changes in the next couple of years. So, yeah, that's they're saying, although, um, you know, I was out there lobbying as if, uh, gosh, is two Januarys ago now uh, for the Safe Banking Act and for the States Act at the time. So before mm -hmm. the MORE Act, they were working the MORE Act through the right channels. But um, it sounds like the Safe Banking Act might might be one of the first things, although the MORE Act's gotten a lot of attention, it still has a ways to go. Um, but that's the big thing that's coming out of not just, um, you know, the media outlets domestically, but even I was just reading it was uh, from an outlet in Canada. I think it was CBC, if I'm not mistaken, and those that, that aren't Canucks or don't live near the border. So, you know, that's essentially, you know, their, their national news network. And I was really impressed with them pointing out the observation that this is a win for legalization because... Democrats have been more pro. I, I personally think it's really kind of become almost a nonpartisan, even beyond a bipartisan, nonpartisan. Because many of the, I mean, even I think as Weiner and a few others have already gone to private sector in their support of cannabis after leaving public. So when you see that happening, I think that's a little bit of foreshadowing on where things are going if people are moving from government to private in a certain, you know, sector or, or industry. We saw that in dot-com and other places. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think I, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see. And I think overall it is going to get the train moving a little bit quicker. For sure. I, I'm sure nothing too soon with everything happening with COVID, but, yeah. you know, we can definitely keep our fingers crossed and, you know, push as much as we can on the safe banking because that is such a necessary thing for the industry to move forward. It's been such a um, problem that I've seen over the years just with burglaries and, you know, just money loss and, um, you know, yeah. violence towards employees. It's really scary and it's, it will create yeah. a safer environment for everybody that's involved in cannabis, whether they're on the consumer side or the employee side. So. Yeah. And you're spot on. That's actually, I remember, you know, we don't cover the negative news as in, you know, when I say we, you know, rather it be at the cannabis or weed maps or green flower. But when I was in control of the media, you know, we were trying to be conscientious of the things we put out that were negative because there's enough people, there's, there's anti-cannabis organizations out there for crying out loud. I mean, Dare's still in business. I don't know how, but I remember that, you know, it's, it's really an interesting time and it isn't all going to happen overnight and it needs to be progressive and we need to help kind of back away from that tabooism and that stigma that's established, especially in Western societies in general. Australia is just as bad, uh, you know, as, as the U.S. is even on prosecution. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, this, I think overall is going to move it. And I agree with you. I mean, Aurora, I remember there was a, a security guard that was shot and killed and it was just Again, thankfully, it's a very sad and unfortunate thing. Luckily, the mainstream news didn't pick it up and turn around and everything. But then again, it's a catch-22. Maybe if they did, to your point, the mm -hmm. Safe Banking Act, all of a sudden, you know, that the senators and, and, and Congress uh, people of Colorado would said, hey, this is what's happening. Because I remember, you know, uh, Dixie Brand. Mm -hmm. sure, yep, you know I used to work for Dixie. Oh, that's right. That's yep. right. So, you know, back in the Trip Kiever uh, days, I remember doing a tour with Trip. And uh, first thing that was weird, that was a trip in itself, uh, pun intended, was that he never liked the smell. So this guy was um, the first uh, CEO of uh, Dixie Brands out in Colorado. And um, he didn't like the smell of cannabis. I always thought it was funny. He's like, this is aromatically sealed and this is sealed. And, uh, but anyway, we were touring and we were in the back of his facility. And he said, you know, if, if $250,000 of product goes out that door, which was at that time was mm -hmm. kind of the norm. They're much larger now and partnered with, of all things, my favorite, Arizona tea for beverages. <laughs> um, but he is like, if 250000 goes out in the morning, 250000 comes out. It comes in at the end of the day from out there. And is like, you know, that's a lot of risk to have that money. So you're right. I mean, I, I agree. I think I all the other things are important, the equity, equality, all the other aspects. But just getting us out of greenbacks and into legitimate banking situations and having legitimate merchant accounts, not this, I mean, semi-quasi money laundering, quite honestly, is what some of these businesses are doing. Oh, yeah, we charge it to our marketing team. So you'll see a receipt from our marketing de department or our marketing company, but it's really for this purchase. It's just... We need to get to that level of legitimacy. And unfortunately, the financial side of that's a big aspect. So, we're a creative bunch. I'll give us that. Oh we always God. find loopholes, but you know, <laughs> it'd true. be a lot easier if we could just do things the normal way and not have to figure out such creative avenues to do business yep. like the rest of the world. So, exactly. I exactly. totally agree. <laughs> so, and speaking of the rest of the world, so that's, that's another thing kind of to talk about. So, you know, although, um, there is a lot going on. One thing, it was an observation for 2020, 
Um, we didn't see any countries legalize adult use. There was a medical movement, though, which I think is pretty relative. So um, just touching on that, you know, Ireland saying they're launching a medical program. France launching a medical program. Um, England's finally kind of getting out of its own way. A little the same with Australia. It's been kind of weird. Um, but how much of an influence do you think or do you feel, uh, you know, California and the U.S. has on that global market? Do you think there's a... Um, I think quite a large effect, actually. I think that um, a lot of people from other countries come here to see what we're doing and kind of get a sense of normalcy from it. At least that's what I've experienced. And um, they go back and share these things and that stigma breaks down person by person. I also mm -hmm. think when policies change, you know, other countries see that and they're more willing to, you know, maybe open up to the fact that medical cannabis could actually be legitimate without it being, you know, uh, descheduled or, you know, anything like that. It, it can, you know, just be up to the states to really prove these things. And I've seen a lot of amazing things happen just working in Colorado the past 10 years, seeing what California has done um, and just kind of seeing it grow over the United States and then, you know, across the world, it seems. So yeah. it's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you, you made a very valid point there. Um, it doesn't take legalization to get a movement. There's many uh, territories and countries um, that have descheduled and in states too, and they have descheduled or have um, at least uh, taken away from that illicit status, right? Like Mexico, which said they deemed it unconstitutional, ergo, it's no longer illegal or illicit. Um, but now they're establishing framework because you have to do something with it, right? Because it's, sure. it's still a substance, still a controlled substance. So um, getting through that, but, you know, are things that are interesting, which, uh, you know, again, talking a little bit on what happened domestically Oregon, you know, the fact that they uh, psilocybin for one, but also just taking the status for, for all drugs off the table, kind of like Portugal, which I was propped. So many people were amazed when, when Portugal did that. My gosh, I, I want to say it was 10, 10 years ago. Now? It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while yeah. since they've done that. Right. And they just sure. descheduled all. And then what they do is novel concept. Oregon's doing the same thing. They're actually taking the taxes from the sales uh, to apply to rehabilitation and helping those. So they aren't taking it and in, in using it as a tool, you know, to incarcerate people or treating it like a crime. They're treating it like a disability or, or like a, you know, like a handicap, if you will. And it is, right? I mean, people typically abuse substances for one reason or another um, if they get that far. And it's no matter what the drug is, which... You know, I even explain caffeine's a drug, nicotine's a drug, sugar alcohol's a drug. a drug, sugar is. <laughs> I have, a, sugar I have a, quite is. the addiction. Oh my but. God, I do too. <laughs> and that's another one. I love you mentioned that because a, a lot of people don't understand that is exactly the drug for the food is a total tangent, but for the food industry, like you guys, that is seriously what is the most addictive element in, and I was just looking at, this is funny. I go down the YouTube rabbit hole all the time. <laughs> I might be, I might be under the influence at the time. Um, but one time, you know, I started going down this whole, the fifties is flashback to the fifties. My like, gosh, all these people are in shape or thinner average build, right? You know, whatever. But the point is the level of obesity was just not seen in the fifties and sixties. And a friend of mine is like, you know, you know, what's the deal? I just, it looks like they're in Europe. And I'm like, no, they're here. I'm all, but there's no, this is before genetically modified organisms. This is before high fructose syrup, high fructose corn syrup as well, specifically that came into fruition in the early eighties said everything was natural. You know, the milkman delivered the milk. You went to the, you know, bakery for the bread. You went to the butcher for the meat, but everything was locally sourced and natural and you didn't pay a premium for it. That's how it was. They didn't put fake. Why would you add stuff in or heaven forbid, take the good stuff out and put fake stuff in mm -hmm. um, to, to provide it. And it kind of goes into our industry too, right? I mean, that's something you've, again, you've been a bud tender. Um, I call them cannabis consultants, but I know, <laughs> I know bud tender is more popular. But, but that is something that we see in our industry, right? Where mm -hmm. people are like, hey, we source organic cocoa or we source, uh, you know, trade-free zone this and, and all the rest. Is that something that you saw more predominantly in the Southern California market? than Because they're both, they're both healthy markets, you guys. I mean, two different price scales and demographics are slightly skewed, but yeah. you've, you've worked in two healthy markets in this industry. Was there much of a difference in product in that regard? Um, yes. I have found that, um, 
Colorado is a little bit more advanced um, in their yeah. market and uh, where they used to be all about the, the heady strains and the bright packaging, a lot of brands now are moving more towards wellness um, and microdosing and healthy ingredients, guess, yeah. vegan, gluten-free, all that stuff. But that's because they see that the market is maturing at the, and that it's not just, you know, a bunch of kids trying to get high anymore. Oh, it's, yeah. it's soccer moms and grandmothers and, you know, your uncle and all these people that, you know, want to have something that isn't necessarily going to be like eating a bag full of gummies every time they want to get high. So yeah, I've definitely seen that in Colorado and in California. Um, brands are starting to get that way, but I feel like it's still a lot about, um, especially in SoCal, like the clout. You yeah. definitely just have yeah. to be like super cool, very LA, very like hip and trendy. And, you know, that doesn't always make for quality products, but it does make for some really cool branding. Oh um, my gosh. And that's where I, all the focus is. I mean, look at. Yeah. I've, I've just seen some really um, like unfortunate like brands spend all their money on what it looks like and not enough on what they're putting into it. And yeah. so. You know, I, I can't work with those guys, unfortunately, because I think that, you know, the brands that I work with, I, I have to actually stand behind. And if you are putting bad stuff in, just like the food, you're going to get bad stuff out. So or if you're true. not putting the love and care into it that you need to to create a quality product, it's just not going to be a good end result, unfortunately. So yeah. no cutting corners. No, I agree 100 <laughs> percent. You are spot on. And, and it's it's no surprise. You know, there are some some serious heavy advanced nutrients, you know, big mics out of seas around the other side of the hill from me in Malibu. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got, um, gosh, uh, who else? Cushy Punch, which has always been provocative and a, a little edgy in my opinion, because I'm, I'm about equal again, you know, growing up in the Bay area, mm -hmm. definitely more so about equality and, 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 uh, you know, not having bias. So they're a little, little on the kind of sex side, but they know it like they, the way they walk a fine line, but you have that, but you have ignite, you know, Balziac, whatever. I don't even know where What's going on with I, that I don't now? Even but think people are paying attention to brands yeah. like that anymore. I just think overall, what I've seen in the dispensaries and the branding, it's just kind of a more sexy vibe in LA. But I've also yeah. worked a fair amount in NorCal too, and I feel like up there, it, it may be a little bit more on the health side. In my yeah. in my opinion, yep. I, I haven't agree. worked a ton up there, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. NorCal definitely has. It's where it's sourced. Um, you know, we we've always been about this up there, but very much about, you know, is this part of the uh, Humboldt County Growers Alliance? Is this part, part of the Mendocino, you know, Mendocino Generations Co-op, you know, or is this part of, you know, um, you know Nevada County Growers Association? You know, it, where is it sourced? How is it sourced? You know, all those things matter. And it kind of gets back, kind of pulling back into the big picture too, right? Because, you know, a lot of people ask me what it's going to look like post-federal legalization. And I think a big part of that's going to be a reset, to be honest, right? Because it really does open all, there's so many people that are throttled back right now. And by people, I, I really need, I mean, large companies, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's funny because I was at a, um, gosh, I'm trying to think, I was on a panel for ICBC two years ago in San Francisco. And um, it was kind of edgy for me to say, but I was like, you know, people started kind of knocking the big alcohol, big tobacco, big pharmaceutical. I'm like, you guys, you can't, they're already here. Yeah. Like you guys are talking like they're, you know, U.S. tobacco has property in Northern California. Reynolds has property in Northern California. Pharmaceuticals, the biggest, and this is what's trivial, is always tripping out that people don't know this. The biggest exporter of medical cannabis in the world is GW Pharmaceutical out of England. Hello. They haven't even had a full full-blown medical system yet. You know, they just launched medical a few years ago in a half-assed kind of typical parliament stuffy hat way. And here they've got the largest exporter that's, mind you, there's about half a dozen uh, medications on the U.S. market that have uh, FDA approval, but most of those are synthetic except for one. GW Pharmaceutical is the only one that uses natural, uh, you know, cannabinoids from, from natural uh, cannabis, you know, biomass to produce their product. I mean, it's really, a lot of people just don't know, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, um, they, they just don't know, but that's why it's so, so good we're here to tell them. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And that's, again, that's kind of the premise of the show, you guys. It's, it's, it really is, you know, it's to talk about, you know, what's going on. And a lot of the conversations that are had with industry folks like ourselves behind the scenes. So to give you a little bit of a teaser on some of the individuals that we're going to have on the show, um, a lot of industry leaders, and I use that term, I'm not saying CEOs and CMOs and CFOs because, um, for one, you know, we're not a fan of suits and, and stuffy titles, but really the leaders are at all levels in a company, right? Some of the people that are the best in touch with what's going on in the industry 
are actually in the engine room, not at the helm, right? They're the these phenomenal growers in in uh, you know genetics chasers, I mean, like, like friends Kevin Jodry and in some of these guys that are just all about it, and they very much know what's going on and where things are going, but they're looking at it from a different perspective. So we'll have individuals like those on the show, and we'll be talking about things that are relevant to them. And a lot of these things are going to be um, not just geographical, but demographical and and based on legal status. And so we'll, we'll kind of be all over the place, but they're things that are important uh, to be in the know about and to be you know cognizant and aware of. Uh, so it's definitely where things are going to be going in the future shows, and we look forward on what we have to offer. So the last thing I had as far as discussion is getting into consumption on a personal level. So, and I think you're cool with this because you're, <laughs> you, you put it out there so much more than I do. People are like, my gosh, you're so, you don't do any, so I'm like, I don't have social media. I, I have it, but I don't have time for it. Um, but you brought a few items here. And uh, so it was kind of interested on, and I get to see it, right? You're again, one of the few <laughs> that I actually follow. It's funny. Um, along with Jonathan Weedstagram, shout out. Um, and uh, and can escapes, but uh, cannabis escapes, but you you three are pretty much the three, uh, but yeah. So so tell us kind of your and, and again you are uh, medicinal first. Obviously you appreciate the um, the recreational aspect of it, the benefits of it, right? For sure. Um, but you have a set way in certain things. And what are you smoking on now? Even more importantly. Um, well, today I brought a couple of joints with me. These are some CBD joints um, from Lowell Farms and then some oh. apple fritter from Freshly Baked Ooh, out in Long Beach. They okay. are one of my favorites. <laughs> um, and then I just got this new portable um, vaporizer. It's basically like a portable uh, dab rig from Candy Pens. They have this really cute um, rig called the Aura. And it's, uh, yeah, just chargeable. And then it's got a little uh, quartz atomizer in it and it hits great and different settings. So I just, nice. I've been enjoying some live rosin lately um, from oh. Dot Greens. I'm a solventless snob. I'll just say it straight no, up. It's... So um, <laughs> I, live rosin all the way. And so coming yep. from Colorado, it was a little hard to find some good brands out here, but I've been loving Dot Greens. Um, they are actually from NorCal yep. and yep. Uh, yeah, they have some really fire products. So nice. It yeah. doesn't, trees does too, right? I think I've seen trees with some decent live rosin, but I'm with you. I mean, uh, you know, again, I, same with can of snob. I'm like, no, I'm a can of sewer, not a can. My friends call me a can of snob, but I agree with you. The, the something be said about live rosin um, and definitely solventless. Uh, and for those, again, that don't know, so much has changed in the way you can consume. This is what's funny is because, um, you know, I'm a younger Gen Xer, but uh, obviously know enough boomers in my life and even silent generation. And they really do still believe that people only consume one smoking or two brownies. And it's just not true. It's crazy from the the concentrate category, which wax, shatter. I mean, you, you, the list goes on. Right? Sure. But that's why it's, it's so important for me to put a lot of that stuff out on social media in a responsible yeah. way, um, because I think that it does help show people that I can still be a functional, functional stoner um, and, you know, also medicate on a regular basis. People do not believe that I smoke from the moment I wake up until I go to sleep because I tend to get a lot of stuff done. Um, but yeah. then they look at my social media and they're like, well, girl, you smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and it's not that I, you know, I stay high all the time, but I have uh, a condition that causes chronic pain. And so I actually function better after using cannabis. And a lot of people, yeah. phew, mind yeah. blown after I say that. Well, so. it's, you know, there's some studies that kind of reinforce it. They're finding that, and this is, this is insane. But then again, if you flash back to, again, even some of the stereotypes that Hollywood's put out, our neighbors down the road, um, that it doesn't inhibit certain things like they're finding that it doesn't inhibit people's uh, motor skills or response times uh, like other things do. Um, and I believe that because talking to the scientists and doctors and learning about how it almost kind of reclocks your mind in that you're able to process more in the same amount of time. And so that's what a lot of people don't step back and, and realize. That's why things typically smell better and, and taste better and feel better. And, and even when you're looking at things, you kind of process them from a different perspective because you're not looking at them from a topical, you're kind of looking at more in depth. As I look around the studio that has some really way out psychedelic <laughs> 70s colors. Um, but it is one of those things that, that they're actually finding in studies and um, hence why people, you know, with ADHD or, or PTSD, um, so beyond the physical ailments, but many 
uh, you know, mental ailments that people can't see or understand or, or empathize with um, are actually able to quite successfully use cannabis to help with those things. And to your point, be a fully functional human being during the day, at the end of the day, at the start of the day with this. And and you're not the only friend. You know, I have other friends that, that to the same point. They blaze from the moment they wake to, wake up till they go to bed. Now, I will say it's a challenge traveling international. <laughs> I have one friend that, oh my gosh, one time in the countryside, England, he called me high maintenance. I'm like, wait, you're the one that has to get up every morning, drink a Red Bull, smoke a blunt. <laughs> like, I'm pretty easy going. I could take my tea or, or leave my tea. I don't need ginger and ginseng every day. But, um, but anyway... Uh, you know, it's those kind of stereotypes. And again, that goes back to us kind of talking about what we're doing here is really helping people understand, again, that, you know, the stigmas, the the tabooism that's out there, and it's not just domestic, right? I mean, it's something especially, uh, you know, I'd say, um, you know, Western civilization, but also uh, Commonwealth countries, you know, that I've visited that almost seem a little bit worse. Like I said, I kind of picked on Australia a little bit earlier, um, that same friend of mine, he has taken home. He came out here and uh, took him to a, uh, a champ show, which those guys are right up the road. Props out to uh, to Mike and the guys at Champs. Fun. Oh, it's always a good, <laughs> if you ever want to go. I've, I've been to a couple. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's a really fun show. But for him, it was just, uh, that doesn't exist in Australia, right? right? I yeah. mean, they have HHI, which is a great, you know, the Hemp Health Innovation uh, props out to them, uh, to Judy and the team there. Uh, they do that in Sydney and Brisbane. Um, but yeah, they definitely don't have something of even champ scale, never mind NCIA and, and MJ Biz. And, uh, you know, he grabbed a bunch of stuff, a bunch of uh, handouts and, you know, whatever, you know, leaflets and stuff like that, pamphlets, and uh, even a few magazines. So he had all this stuff he is bringing back. And uh, he lives up in Rocky, uh, Rockhampton, which is a very, very far north end of Australia. So he has to fly into Brizzy and then he jumps another plane, another plane. Anyway, so, of course, when he's coming back into the country, um, so he had all this stuff. He even had, like, an empty eighth jar, and I think he might have had even an old... Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, this is prosecution <laughs> in Australia. And you, you give the look. Most people should. Do not do not bring stuff back to Australia. But the crazy part was they have this swab test, which is... Anyway, um, they were testing everything and didn't find any THC, but they ended up giving him a fine, I want to say it was... 300 approximately 300 uh, Canadian dollars so you know about 200 220 bucks US um, for the paraphernalia it was a magazine that had pictures of cannabis now I'm like wow. oh my god now you can't say oh that's unconstitutional and everything it's not it's not the US it's not yeah. our constitution it's not our stipulations that's crazy though a magazine but it is yeah it wow. was they confiscated they confiscated all the magazines huh. and the pamphlets and good to know <laughs> yeah, it was just like, really? Yet, you know, I know people have no problem. Again, I'm not condoning it, but I know people that do bring in stuff that, you know, they don't know to look for transdermal patches. They don't know that a one-ounce bottle of mouthwash could really be a one-ounce bottle of elixir, you know? I mean, it's just, I even laughed when, um, this is this is funny, and just a typical um, kind of disconnected big business mentality, uh, Disney, gosh, when was it, Weed Maps, this probably like three or four years ago, we, you know, when Disney announced, oh yeah, you know, we're not going to allow any cannabis, can we're cannabis free environment, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's so trivial. Like, that's so funny. Like, of course, yeah, people aren't going to go to Disneyland down, again, right down the street from us and go light up a joint, you know, before going on Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, some of us might, or might like to try. <laughs> yeah, you can try. <laughs> but did you, did you hear about how there was a grandmother there with a family it was maybe like two years ago, maybe three years ago, and she had a CBD pen in her bag, and security oh, found it. Yeah, and they sent her to jail. Yep. Yeah. You know where? You Gave know where that was felony. Happening? Yeah, that was a few, and it'll get expunged. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the only reason why I wouldn't worry now. But, but a few years ago, the same thing in Texas, and I want to say is people that were flying through a Houston. So obviously, it was either it was either Bush or you know one of the airports in in a Houston. And um, same thing, they busted, you know, co-ed kid, 20-something years old, um, but also busted a grandma that was about 76, and they had CBD, and they said they were CBD pens, which for those that don't know, well, this was before the Farm Bill of 2018 fully came into fruition, but technically, for those that don't know, Texas does technically have a medical program. They just only have three dispensaries that only supply CBD to children that qualify anyways, but props to one of the reddest states in the union having something um, but anyway, so the, the, you know, same thing, got prosecuted, all the rest of it, mm -hmm. it got thrown out. 
because the state of Texas didn't have a lab that could test if it was THC <laughs> or CBD. So it was something like, God, 48 or 50, I need to Google this. It, it was several cases they got all subsequently thrown out because they had no way of verifying one way or the other. It's like, yeah, just don't just stop. Like this isn't 1980s dare, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot different than it used to be. And come on, it's CBD, it's cannabidiol, you know, I mean, it's, there's it's the new oil and that's Texas, babe. So yeah. they are, oh they, are my God. they are seeing dollar signs. They already know. They so they realized they, they were on the wrong side of that. So yeah. I, I'm props yeah. to Texas. I agree. I did not expect them to have that medical program, but again, they're kind of in that limbo where it's yeah. medically legal, but also there's no access. So, yeah. yep. It's very true. And that is in there. That's totally, totally true in so many markets where same thing, all of a sudden, you know, they, they have it, but it's not accessible and it's unfortunate. And again, we'll get into that more, you guys. I mean, there's so many, so many markets and so many, so many stories, so many people we can catch up with because what's going on here in California, which in my opinion is similar to uh, what's going on up in Canada, where still a majority of the market is illicit. You know, I have a lot of friends that are still in the shadows, a lot of friends that grew up and they're just like, Lance, it's not worth it. They're like between, you know, the insurance and the li just the permit, never mind the, the permanent license and all of the hoops you have to jump through and all the testing, 500 bucks per test, blah, 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 blah. They said, you know, I'm, I'm just not ready because the, the industry is not ready. So they're constantly reworking it, which we saw in Colorado. Yeah, you, yeah. You'll, you'll recall. I mean, from 2014, they it first, you know, came into fruition. They voted 2012, came in 2014. They had adjusted, amended, or altered uh, the original framework. And by framework, I mean the rules, regulations, and, and stipulations that, that govern that aspect of legalization. Uh, 85 times we found when we were reporting on it at the cannabis. And it, it's just, it's not perfect. That's the thing that, it, again, we're going full circle to the whole when federal legalization, which I still think that the legalization will come by 2022. I've been saying that for the last three or four years. I still believe that it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to buy it at every, you know, 7-Eleven though. That's the point that you were making, which is so true. Um, and don't assume you guys, when you travel, it's, it's, I couldn't state that enough because a good example too is, is me and I, although like me, I'm sure she prefers Burbank over LAX, but for convenience and price, you know, sometimes LAX <laughs> is easier, but you can today, and this has been cleared by um, the FAA, you can legally travel with one ounce of flour through LAX. And, and you, and I have friends are, oh, you have to put it in your check luggage. I'm like, no, I carry it. I put it in my bag. It's right there. I've never, I've had them pull out. Um, I've also, I've owned a seasoning business for years. And so I've had them pull out my seasoning because it's this odd cylindrical shaped <laughs> bottle who travels with seasoning, right? But I take it to friends and they'll literally move aside the cannabis products to get to the seasoning <laughs> to see what it is. So I'm telling you guys, they don't care. But the stipulation of the catch 22 is the onus is on you as far as what your destination is. So yes, if, if me and I are traveling to Sacramento or San Jose, or if I'm going up to, you know, to Humboldt, you know, through Acadia, like that's fine because that's still a state of California. As soon as you technically fly to another state, even if it's a legal state. So you are you subject know, to the law of the land wherever yes, you end up. So exactly true. Act accordingly. Yep. Exactly yep. true. So again, we'll get into more of those things because even those that are straight blazers and, and on the daily, um, again, might not travel, might not know what's going on. Um, and there's a lot of things that are going on this year that could change um, just the amount of information and knowledge you need to learn, right? I mean, there's something going on right now, if you haven't heard, called the Great Migration. And that's just going into this mass exodus of people out of specifically California and New York, uh, which happen to be number one, number two, 41 million plus in California, 27 million plus in New York populated states. And they're moving places to like number three, Texas, which is really popular, um, but also moving to Florida and, and other uh, no state income tax, you know, Tennessee, Washington, et cetera. Um, so it is important all of a sudden if, if you've been consuming in California and if, if you're a native Californian like me, um, my gosh, if you lived in San Francisco and had certain ailments, you might have been consuming since 1990 under Prop P. But, but most at least were consuming legally under Prop 215, which came into fruition in 1996 and really took off in the early mid-2000s when everyone all of a sudden had glaucoma. Um, <laughs> so you might be accustomed to just being able to walk down the street like you've probably seen. I've seen. I've seen it in L.A. I've seen it in Oakland. I've seen it in San Francisco where people are walking down the street with a joint 
pass a police officer. Kid you not, saw it oh, firsthand. Yeah. I Snapchatted it. Many times. <laughs> right? It's crazy. <laughs> so just because that's okay here, when you land in St. Paul, Minnesota, or when you land in Salt Lake City, again, to Mia's point, like just because you've gotten there doesn't mean that's safe for you to consume or to, oh, yeah, Utah's a medical program. I'm fine. No, <laughs> it's not a state that recognizes reciprocity if you are in a state that has medical. Um, again, it's just things like that that we want to get in and, and educate uh, everybody out there and let them know. And again, that goes back to the individuals that we'll have on the show and the people we'll talk to. Um, you'll notice the undertone, no matter if they're artists, if they're geneticists, if they're growers, if they're processors, if they're retailers, um, even if they're just, um, you know, influencers in the industry, all of them, um, the undertone or the underlying, uh, you know, kind of synergy amongst them will be the education. And that's what really, what really will, where we want to take everyone as far as making sure that they're in the know and what's going on. So any final words until our next show? Um, I've just really enjoyed chatting with you guys today and I uh, can't wait to come back for the next one. Yeah. Thanks so, so much for having me, Lance. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think it's a go. We're going to keep you. I, I think we'll, we'll have to keep it going. I've got a lot of things to say between <laughs> cure and consumption. So <laughs> there is a lot, a lot between cure and consumption and definitely folks, that is what we are going to be covering is everything exactly to me this point, everything from cure to consumption. And essentially that is so from takedown or post-harvest, you know, how things are processed. Again, she got into it, uh, again, both of us being medical, you know, she got into it though on ways that she kept her flower and her medicine fresh. Um, so we'll be getting into things like that, how they're packaged, how they're labeled, um, the best way to consume them. Again, all different types of things on what we call the back end of the industry. Um, but we won't be stopping there. We'll be getting into the front end of the industry because Again, you remember back in Colorado, everyone would always use the expression um, uh, from seed to sale. I remember that's, that's yep. kind of like vertically integrated. <laughs> remember when everyone vertically integrated, and I joke around about nanotechnology as another played out term <laughs> that was out there. But that was one of those things that it was true. It was like, you know, it's, it's a crazy time and there's so much to learn and we'll definitely be getting into that. So thank you again, guys. Definitely thank you for joining us. And we look forward to catching up with you on a weekly basis. Uh, definitely feel free uh, to reach out on social media if you have any questions. Um, hit up Hayes Radio. Give us something to talk about next time. Thanks again and have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks, all.